When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new Black Magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now, cue the music. Hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Austin Kress and Brittany Grable. My name's Matt Enlow. And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today we are talking to Ulrich Bursell and Liz Manischel, our good friends and hosts of the podcast Making Movies is Hard. They had some cool things to talk about, and I think this conversation really ended up being like much more reflective about who we are as filmmakers slash podcasters and what we think about everything. But but it was kind of a good good talk. If you ever heard our conversation with Ulrich and Tim, uh, his old co-host then this might be kind of bringing back some memories yeah this is a i think an episode for people who have been following the show for a long time and who are maybe curious about what liz and alric are up to you know they both have a ton of things going on liz has a movie that she's just about to kick off distribution on alric is about to go into production on his film that he's been working on and dreaming of for the last five years so it's a really fun conversation to talk with some old friends with shared history about what they are endeavoring to do next so yeah we thought this one would be fun Ulrich has a crowdfunding campaign going right now and so we thought let's get this episode up and out rather than crowding our schedule or moving things around too much so if you want to learn more about his crowdfunding campaign you can go to seedandspark.com slash fund slash the alternate uh, once again, that's seedandspark.com slash fund slash the alternate if you want to support Ulrich and the movie that he's making. Or you can check out Speed of Life, Liz's new movie, wherever you find movies. Yeah. And so before we hop into our chat with them, we want to remind you real quick that we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash justshootitpod. It's a place you can give us a few bucks a month if you like the podcast, if you feel like you're getting anything out of it, if it's a learning experience, even if it's a place where you learn what not to do based on Matt and my advice then it's helpful and also all our patrons get into our live events for free and we're having a live event very soon so it'll probably be already over by the time this episode comes out but check it out patreon.com slash just shoot it pod before we get to the rest of our show we wanted to talk to zach lipovsky for a second he's a filmmaker that created an app called shot lister and he's with us right now and we're going to talk a little bit about the app 
one of the cool things about it is it lets you color code your shots throughout the day as you're shooting red or green to indicate what you've already finished and kind of give you a bird's eye view of the project. Can you tell us a little bit more about the color coding and why you think it's a helpful feature? Yeah, I mean, basically when you build your shot list, you can then build sort of a shooting schedule where you put in all the shots you want to get in the order and how long you estimate each one's going to take. Uh, and hopefully that adds up to 12 hours if you're doing a 12 hour day or whatever. And then when you're actually shooting, it goes into something called live mode where it knows what time it is. It knows how many shots you've actually done already and it can add up for you <laughs> all the shots that are left and say, geez, uh, hmm. There's about 45 minutes more shots here than you have time to do. And it tells you you're 45 minutes behind. And when that's the case, the whole app glows red. <laughs> and the crew can see that when it's in your hand. And Does it start beeping? Does, it doesn't beep. We've definitely been requested, can it glow yellow when we're just a little bit behind? Does it have to really go red? <laughs> and often, you know, 90% of the time it's glowing red. If anyone's been on set, they know. Yeah. Is there like a shock collar accessory that you guys sell in case it's in the red for too long? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've had a lot of requests for that, yeah, but uh, unfortunately, um, you know, uh, PETA hasn't let us do that. But, you know, people start knowing, they say, are we in the green, are we in the red? And, um, and it can be really helpful because you can then readjust all the shots, you know, and all your estimates based on how things have changed and then get it back on schedule. So you can move the important stuff, you know, up in the shot list and maybe get rid of or combine shots that you actually realize you don't need because often when you're shooting a scene you realize you don't need that coverage or a second unit can get those close-ups later and then you can get the schedule back to green basically usually you do that at lunch when you're in a mad panic uh and then sync it with the whole crew and show them the new plan so the color coding ends up being really helpful for that i have an idea for a feature it's called time decoy mode and it just <laughs> always basically puts you half an hour behind so that you uh, hopefully finish yeah. on time well, you definitely don't want to let the crew know that you're an hour ahead of schedule because then they all start relaxing. That's right. really why you need the yellow mode. It's not for red. <laughs> it's for when you're like green-ish, basically. Yeah. Well, I think there's a healthy there's a healthy energy that comes from being in the red. You know, it right. really kicks your butt. You don't want to be too calm. That's awesome. I'm, I wanted to get it, but I can't afford it at this point. I was just wondering, is there like some freeway that I could get it? Yes. For any people out there, we're actually going to give away the app to anyone who emails justshootitpod at shotlister.com. We're giving away 50 codes a month, every month, forever. So if you need a free copy, just email justshootitpod at shotlister.com and we'll send you one. So every month, forever. <laughs> yeah, as long as this podcast is listenable by human beings. Well, that's arguable at this point anyways. <laughs> And Zach, what should listeners that want a free copy of Shotlister write to you in that email? Just a blank email? They could put what platform they want, because we have Mac OS, iOS, Android. Um, so let us know which one of those you want. And then assuming we haven't given away 50 that month, we'll send you a, a free code. But then you can always email the month after that. Awesome. Well, cool. Thanks so much. We are excited to check it out. And uh, to our listeners, if you do get a free copy of it, please email us at justshootapod at gmail.com and let us know what you think. And if you have any feature recommendations, let me know and I will tell you how cool I think they are. Yeah. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast, even months from now, even years from now, email justshootapod at shotlister.com for your free copy of Shotlister. Hey, everybody. It's the Just Shoot It, Making Movies is Hard crossover. Yeah. I'm Matt Enlow. I'm Warren Kaplan. I'm R. Purcell. And make some noise for Liz Manichelle. Woo, Liz. Yay. Whoa. That's 
that's me. So we're super excited to talk to both of you guys, Liz and Ulrich, today because you both have awesome projects that are pertinent to right now. Yeah, absolutely. Both have interesting things happening. Ulrich, you're doing a you're crowdfunding for the alternate, right? For the, the movie alternate. that is what. Uh, the Making Movies is Hard podcast is based upon. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is the thing that's been so hard all these years. Right. So this is like when we started the podcast, we were chronicling the making of our two feature films, you know, and the alternate was my feature that I'd been working on since the beginning. I thought I was going to shoot it within two years of the podcast. We're now almost five years into the podcast and we're shooting it in December. So it like actually is happening, which is like fantastic, you know. That's amazing. Can I, I want to ask you, do you feel like, especially since you've had this podcast where we've talked to so many amazing filmmakers and crowdfunders and all that, all the things it takes to make a movie, do you feel like you are better off making the movie now than you would have been oh, five years ago? Yeah, I didn't even know what I was doing. Like, I thought I knew what I was doing, you know, in the at the beginning of this podcast. And I thought I was ready to make my feature right away. But I, I had, like, n- no real concept of, like, how to be prepared, like, how to develop the story. Like, I just had a script. And I was like, yes, I have a script. Now everyone will give me money, and I'll go make my movie, and it'll be great, you know? And I didn't, like... I don't think I had a deck for a while. Like I think it was like a year or two before I had my first pitch deck, and it was very bad in the beginning. It didn't. It took me like three years to get like a decent looking pitch deck. You know. Can I ask then, you what like three, just kind of th- three takeaways from the podcast that have changed the way you think about making your first feature film? I think like well, and this is one of the things that I actually had from the beginning was like a story that you believe in to like really know that you want uh, to make the tell the story that you have, you know, that the script that you've written and that you've been working on is actually worth making into a movie for for yourself, you know, that you can stick with it for five years, six years, eight years, whatever. Yeah, I actually think that was the very first question you had posed. I think you asked it on our show, but I think you've uh kind of talked to everyone about it, which is... Right. How do you know? How do you know if... Yeah. yeah, Liz, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on like, because you've made... Three movies now? I think uh, two. I think Alric and Tim asked me that question when I was on their show as a guest. And I said the opposite. (laughs) I said, just as long as you have a script, just make whatever you have. Because it's going to take so long to put something together that you're going to waste years of your life making it perfect <laughs> i'm so sorry because yeah. now just i sound like an it. asshole yeah. um <laughs> that was i think that's what i said on the show or that's what i probably would have said well i think Alric, you're probably kind of like a happy medium between those two ideas though it's not that you think the alternate is perfect and is going to be this no. immaculate movie but you just needed a little more runway before you tore the bandaid off well, I think it was like figuring out the steps I needed to take and what what I would need to get the movie made, you know, and, and at the level that I wanted to make it. And also just really having an idea that you're going to stand by over the years and still be excited to make, you know, because as, as we all know, as writers and filmmakers, like you can get really sick of an idea really quickly. You like start writing it. And before you even finish, you're like tired of it, you know? Um, yeah, I'm on with, day three of a project. And I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> right. yeah. But I mean, I think to have been working on it for so long and still be really excited about it and still get really thrilled like every day to work on the movie and be like, you know, I have all these this, these ideas of how I want to shoot it and, you know, all the, the shots are in my head and they have been for a long time. And it still just gets me like juiced to like talk about the movie, pitch the movie and to go make it. And so 
I think that's like the best thing about the project, to be honest, is that I still have this deep passion for it. Whereas like a lot of other things, like I could have really just, you know, like be like hating working on five years later, you know? Okay. So I asked you for three things you learned from the podcast. And so, so that was you gave one. Us one that you already knew before you started. The well, I didn't know. I just, I happened to have <laughs> it when I started. Like I already loved the idea. And then like, it's been like, I've proven to myself over five years that I still love it. Uh, the second thing is um, not rushing, you know, and not thinking that you have to make the movie right away and just really taking the time to to build it up forever. Like, well, not forever, but like build it up and be ready to shoot it, you know, because I wanted to make this thing years ago, but it just wasn't the time. And uh, I, now is the time. And, you know, I've been after five years, it's like, you know, there's there's no there's nothing else I would gain by waiting another like year or two. I don't think like raising more money. Like, I don't think there's any more money to raise for it besides what I have for my budget. So I think, you know, just taking the time to make sure it's ripe and then like, you know, picking the fruit when it's like hanging from the vine. And then the last thing I guess would be realizing that if you just wait, this is kind of contradicting number two, if you wait forever, you could be waiting forever. And that at some point you just have to do take take it upon yourself to to push it forward however you can. Well, that's, like, that's the Liz advice, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you learned that funny. from her on that no. episode. <laughs> well, partly. And I mean, every time I ask her about my movie, that's what she says is like, just set dates, just make it. That's like the advice she's given, giving me for like, like two years ever since I met her, basically. Yeah. Uh, and I did that. And that's like I set dates for October. We pushed one month to, you know, what was late October, we pushed one month to early December. And so now we're, we're going to make the movie in December. And I mean, unless we have like a cataclysmic disaster, like, you know, like rolling blackouts or fires. <laughs> well, poor taste. I'm, I apologize. More That's like a smaller joke. level Impeachment one. Uh, inquiries. <laughs> like uh, like the crowdfunding failing, basically, right, like not right. getting greenlit for the crowdfunding. I think that would be the thing that would derail us. But aside from that, we're going to make a movie in December and it what? might not. You know, so at this point, you guys are thirty percent in. What's your total number that you're trying to raise right now? Twenty five thousand dollars. So we've just crossed eight eight thousand. So we have eighty two hundred um, secured. And what's the URL again? It is uh, seedandspark dot com slash fund slash the alternate slash the alternate. So go there right now. Watch the video. Check out all the updates we've been Do doing. I have lots to watch of video the video. Updates. I already watched it. I'm just gonna make. A you pledge don't have right to watch now. the video. Oh, you're gonna make the pledge yeah. right now on the show, Oren. I'm giving oh you my god! Oh, you are my hero, man. So oh, hundred dollars! Like, uh, like wow, Bitcoin, right? That's amazing. <laughs> Jeez, generous. At this point, I'd love to bring up uh, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash. <laughs> Wait, do I have to make an account? Yes. <laughs> You oh do. Okay. It's not that oh, hard. Let's it, see if I can finish can making you, an account by, by... Oh, the, you can check out as a guest, I think, you can, actually. Yeah, you can do it as a guest, too. Oh, continue yeah. with Facebook? Should I do it with Facebook? You could. Okay. And then, right. and then you can post about me? it. Uh, <laughs> no. Liz. Yeah. Liz. <laughs> tell <laughs> us where you are. So you made uh, a film called Bread and Butter. It's really great. I think the lead actress is especially good. Yeah, she's a hero. She's my favorite person um <laughs> and then you made a second movie yep. called speed of life you yep. guys have just finished your festival tour right like this is kind we of have like three more to go but gotcha. we're tapering off and um we're releasing the film january 10th 2020 which is the 
four-year anniversary of David Bowie's death because the film oh, is inspired perfect. by his death. Yeah. Apologize to hear about David Bowie, but um, <laughs> can I ask real quick, is this, uh, can I write this off like as a business expense? Uh, I don't think you it's, can, actually. It's entertainment um, related. Yeah, you can. Oh, maybe, I mean, yeah, I'm doing it on a live podcast. It, yeah, you can Ooh, definitely write it off. Ooh, content marketing. Yeah, yeah. maybe you could. Maybe you could. <laughs> Do you okay, write out other podcasts? So make it $500, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Save this credit card? No, I don't, I'm not going to save it. It's a one-time <laughs> thing, Ulrich. Uh, oh, you're not gonna you're not gonna re up when we need you really bad in in ten days, twelve days from now. I feel like Oren <laughs> it, just donating is like our cutaway. Like we're at the telethon, and we're cutting to the phone banks, and Oren's right. like, "I'm no, still like, figuring it out." Wait, do I? Oh, your pledge oh, just came through! Wow, it's, a, it's a little dark in here. I need to look at my, oh my credit card numbers. Wait, what year was Amazing. I born? I'm not answering that question. You're gonna know how old I am. <laughs> ethnicity well well, Oren thank you very much for the generous uh, contribution Uh, Uh, we'll we'll check back in with Oren in a few minutes (laughs) I'm not browsing more projects Eden Spark this is uh, very unlike me some Girl Scout asked if I could help the other day and I ran away as fast as I could so you you well (laughs) very unlike me I think oh wow the Girl Scouts that's true you Oren you hate crowdfunding this is incredible. I do hate um, crowdfunding, but I love good it? podcasts. I want to see if me contributing live on this podcast gets other people who are listening to be like, yeah, fuck it. You like Orin. Yeah. You know, I'm going to put Orin in the portal, post it on, on Facebook and all that stuff. So you can be in the portal too if you contribute. So, you know, Liz is already in the portal. I'm in the portal. Which is amazing. Join me in the portal. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Come to the portal. But wait, Liz, yeah, sorry. Can, wait, I know I I love Speed I love self promotion, but can I actually flip the script just for a second? Sure, because... sure. You're gonna interrogate Oren on uh, well... why he hates crowdfunding. <laughs> no, I like I know there's no real plan for this recording, but like I'm chomping at the bit to ask everyone this question, and maybe you've already talked about it because I have not listened to the entire repertoire of making movies as hard slash just shoot it. How um, dare you? <laughs> it's only 482 episodes. Oh my god, yeah, what the easy. hell's wrong with you? Um, I just want to know because I'm like new to this world and like it's all very strange to me right now like why why do we do this why do we podcast like why do each of you podcast oh man it's all ego it's a hundred percent yeah i mean i've answered this wow. like a thousand times i'm so sorry podcast, but i'll but i will say it again like for me and i'm sure for you guys also like when you start out as a filmmaker like the joy of filmmaking is really about taking a camera getting your friends together, shooting something, editing it, and showing it to people. And you do it, it's so like fun and addictive that you do it like every week and you're editing and you're shooting and you're talking, you're writing and you're pitching and you're, you're just always like putting stuff out into the world and like the longer you work at this and the more professional you become and the more you get paid and the more people tell you, oh, don't use your own money on your movie, get someone else to pay it. Like the more it turns into like a business, the less you are like holding a camera in your hands and sending people links and asking people for notes. And the more you're like trying to attach cast or trying to get agencies involved, like all the like boring corporate stuff takes over and you're not actually making anything. And so when I met Matt and he wanted to do a podcast and I was like already like a big fan of script notes, the screenwriting podcast and a friend of ours, Eric Kissack had said like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a script notes for directors? Like those, all those pieces coming together with the fact that we can just Literally just talk for a couple hours a week about directing with other directors and then just put something out into the world. Like to me, literally, it didn't matter if like anyone listened to it. 
as long as I knew I was like making something and putting it out into the world because everything so it's like else to remind I do you of the joy of of the storytelling like the non-corporate side yeah it's less even yeah. about the joy it's more about like you know there's this idea that you are what you do like you can say you're a writer but if you don't spend any time writing then you're not a writer and you can you know say that you're not a writer but if all you do is write even if nobody is buying your scripts or whatever that you're still a writer and so to me like if you're a filmmaker if you're a creative person in any way and that's important to you you need to make things and show them to people and so the podcast is like a really easy thing for us to make without any worries it's kind of like that every day you know one a day those projects people like decide to learn photoshop and every day they put out something into the world that they did with photoshop that day or cinema 4d or photography or music or whatever it is okay to me that's like what yeah. the podcast is it's like a creative outlet also i think that you know both of our shows have really evolved over the last couple of years and so we're always looking for ways to you know try something new meet different people you know it's like a sandbox right. and it's kind of like a good opportunity to stretch different muscles and things as well. You know, Liz, right. I think a lot of like the marketing know-how that I used to have back in my previous life at Comedy Central had kind of worn off. And like I realized this year that I was like, oh, like I don't know how to do, you know, Facebook retargeting the way I used to. Like those tools have changed. So like things like getting better at audio editing you know, like thinking through like a marketing strategy, all of that stuff I think is like a fun practice for when it comes time to do some of the maybe less glamorous, but equally exciting and fun and creative parts of filmmaking that are kind of on the back burner, you know? So these that's are practice another thing films. Well. Like the podcast yeah, a little is bit. a practice film yeah. for you too. That's super interesting. And then, but also, Ulrich, I, oh, go on. I, w I will say that there would be no podcast without Matt. And like the fact that Ulrich carried on making movies as hard without timothy was i was always like in my mind thinking like how is he doing it like how is he holding himself accountable yeah. to releasing an episode <laughs> every week by himself when he's still has you know a wife and a job and you, you know you're a freelancer it's not like you go to work from nine to five and then you have <laughs> all night and all weekend open you're like yeah, yeah. chasing things just like we are or even like a desk job where you can kind of like sneak a couple you know, right. like in the same way that like Liz, you would always write over your lunch breaks, you yeah. know, no longer, but yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I right. Miss those times. Well, well, to answer Liz's question for me, yeah. um, it, it all started because I was looking for a directing podcast, just like you guys. I listened to script notes uh, religiously. I listened to every single script notes episode there was up until the point when I started my podcast. And I think I kept it up for like at least a year after that. So I wanted the director's script notes and I looked for it, trying to find it, find it to listen to it. And it didn't exist or they were defunct or they were camera based or it wasn't really like what I was looking for. So I figured that, you know, maybe I should start one because it didn't, it didn't really exist. And I wanted to learn and grow and like kind of have, you know, create the resource for myself that I could learn from, like through having these conversations with Timothy, you know, and uh, I wasn't even sure if we were going to do it, but I just asked him one time and he said yes. And then within a week we were recording. And then it's so funny because your podcast and the Indie Film Hustle podcast and my podcast all came out within like two months of each other. So it's kind of insane that like we three didn't exist and then we all existed at the same time, basically. But uh, and then why do I keep doing it? Just because... I think part of it is ego. Peer pressure. Like you, guys, like you said, you know, <laughs> it's like 
it is fun to have a podcast and to talk to people and to bring people on your show. And but it's also the learning. Like I learn so much from every conversation that I have on the show. And I feel like unlike like that's kind of one of the reasons why Timothy quit was he like stopped learning and stopped enjoying it. And I think it was because he knew that he was going to quit filmmaking. So like, why did he care how someone made their first feature if he was never going to make his first feature? I am fond of the line of questioning from you, Ulrich, that is so overtly just you trying to figure out your own specific <laughs> challenges like it's right. almost like you're like right. okay so what you're if like, it was a movie you couldn't get the one about a guy meter. who goes through a portal <laughs> what would you do in that situation exactly i am pretty unabashedly just doing it for myself well and, and to i, learn, I think know? that is that's the point of view of the of the podcast and i think that's what's so fun about you're it. providing a service right. while i do it are we like like these two podcasts in Indie Film Hustle, are we like this the fancy top directing podcast? Like, are there others? Um, the, yeah, there, there are, are others. Not fancy. There are <laughs> others. I mean, Remove that word from the description. <laughs> Indie Film Hustle, he releases three to four episodes a week between all of his podcasts. So he has so many more episodes than we do because of that reason. So I think he has a lot more eyeballs on him than, I mean, at least definitely making movies is hard. I know you guys are doing pretty well out there. You have lots of reviews. So. Well, I know Nim Kroll has a great oh, show. Yeah. Yeah, Indie great. Mogul has a new podcast. Right, Indie Mogul. Uh, Lessons from a scre- Screenplay has a podcast. I mean, I yeah, love Respect the Process, there. but it's yeah. Like yeah, much more, even more niche than our podcast. Here. Right. It's but about it's really, commercials. A, it's a great film. podcast, though, and there's a lot of amazing tidbits in that one. I've, I've been listening to Respect the Process a lot lately. That's a good one. But there's also like Film Riot, which I don't listen to, which apparently is really popular. Have yeah, you guys heard of yeah. that? And, yeah. And, and, film indie, yeah. I'm going to pretend like grit. it's us, though. I'm going <laughs> to. It's just us. Okay. I'm just going to do yeah. that. And then I was just thinking, like, I think the reason that I jumped on board is out of pure vindictiveness because I think I get really angry at what I call like the chosen filmmakers and how they get like this leg up in society because of like one (laughs) film that they made that broke out or like they got into a grant organization or just something. Yeah. Once they're on the list, basically. Right. Yeah. And they got representation and for some reason it just seems like their life is easier. And I think these are, these podcasts are an opportunity to like lift up slightly less heard voices perhaps or out of spite um so like i think that's my reason for doing this but i can't quite figure it right. out i don't know well, that's interesting the reason i like it i'm glad that you said yes whatever your reason is it doesn't yeah. matter that spite you're doing ego. it with me spite and egos yeah. and, fine. Fine. Yeah. and i know I'll there's like it. a way better conversation we should be having right now but i just thought why not why not take this opportunity to hear why we're all doing this i do think right. that was kind of you know Hargating back to the first time we had a crossover episode, there that was kind of a thing that we were trying to figure out for ourselves. I think we were all right. like, it wasn't quite totally in focus the way it is now. Mm. Yeah. Man, I, I kind of want to talk about that first episode a little bit. I don't know if you guys feel open to that, but yeah, I mean, we talked about it afterwards offline a little bit and how like it was kind of an emotional experience for Timothy and I to, to have that episode with you guys because you pretty much called us out as like, you know. Real filmmakers are in Los Angeles. If you take your filmmaking seriously, you need to move to Los Angeles. That is and we totally were sort of... <laughs> not what we that's said. Not, that's but, not what you said? <laughs> but I can see how those are the undertones that you detected. I, I will say, Oren, that I think we were both a little more hopped up than uh, 
I mean, we were punchy. Then you are remembering. For like, sure. there's, there's stuff we cut out. But but Timothy like, came out of the gate and he was like kind of throwing some things about commercials and like the size of commercials that he produces and that you guys don't work on those sizes of commercials. <laughs> and I felt like yeah. I was like, wow, Timothy, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah we were we funny. were matching yeah. Timothy's like yeah. edge. Right. Or, or you're misremembering. There was like there was like a we cut it out of the episode. I was like, well, this is insane. But you were like had this weird like Trump jag. We were talking about like Trump doesn't care about anything. He gets to say whatever he wants, uh, and maybe I oh, should do really? that. Yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah, so funny. Has, how is that related to telling them that they? <laughs> I'm saying you were insane LA. from minute one. <laughs> well, here the, I was the, the, matching the, Timothy. No, but the I'm point, saying yeah. you kicked off the conversation <laughs> with like some insanity. I feel like I'm gonna need well, to go back to that garage band. Go, dude, well, help yourself, man. Okay. I'm telling you, guys. Can you my, talk for uh, amongst yourselves for 45 my, seconds? My, my point of bringing that up is that I feel like I've grown a lot as a filmmaker since that conversation. You know, and my ideas of Los Angeles have changed quite a bit in that time you know like i think i was a little you know like hesitant about los angeles and like no no bay area is just as important and just as good and i think over that time i realized like well yes bay area is great and the indie filmmaking community here is awesome but la has a lot to offer and it's not what i thought it was back when we had that first conversation it's not evil is that what you're saying (laughs) right yeah or like or phony baloney i think is another common sort of uh right expectation people have yeah i guess yeah like the similarities between our community and your community in los angeles are really really they're really sure. similar they're very yeah. close and the feeling and the love and the and the help that we give each other is very similar you yeah know? without a doubt um, i think I mean, there is this illusion that la is like cutthroat in right. a way that it's dog eat dog not that's what we always say in the bay not area in the indie world yeah. Oh, no, but we, that's what we think, though. We think that anybody in Los Angeles is out there to, like, take our lunch from us. <laughs> no, nah, man. But that's not true. That's just you, not how it is. You guys do 10-hour days. We do 12. Right. Yeah, Your yeah. time is, you know, 20% more valuable than ours. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Can um, I say one other uh, sure. cool thing about that's cool about having a podcast? Yeah, yeah. Is, <laughs> this is so, so good for our listeners. They, they love I hope, this, I right? hope everybody... Decides to start a podcast. Well, no, I, I think this is relevant to all listeners. So you guys know that a lot of directors or filmmakers, they will like keep like they'll take a bunch of photos on set and stuff and keep like a database of photos that they can release something like every week on Instagram or Facebook or something just oh. to remind people that they're making movies, they're right. working, yeah. they're directors. Self-promotion. Yeah, self-promotion. Right. And it's like at first, you know, it seems like so lame. And you're like, oh, it's, you know. <laughs> such posers um but <laughs> then you realize like half the work that you get is from like posting in your new reel on facebook or posting right. something and someone's like yeah. oh hey I remember, you know i have this project and i saw you posted this thing it's kind of similar so yeah. to me like it, i you know it's the heartbeat of reminding the world that you are a filmmaker and like the mm-hmm. podcast is something that helps us do that without by with actually like adding some value and not just posting a picture of you on a slate and like an actor right. jumping mm-hmm. off a cliff or whatever. Uh, you know. By all means, everybody <laughs> post those photos though. They're so fun. Oh, <laughs> Liz, I, going back to the LA thing, right? Because you weren't a part of this insane throwdown. But I think I was referenced because I only was listened fun. to episodes that I am either referenced or I'm in. 
just in life. Sure, of course. And I think that Timothy used me as an example of someone who made essentially Bay Area content in LA. Is that right, Ulrich, or am I missing? I think that we probably definitely referenced you because we had had, you had you on our show and you guys had had her, uh, Liz on your show. So I think that you got, you definitely came up. I don't remember yeah, the context I, or why. But, it, uh, if it had been phrased that way, I feel like I would have been like, that's fucking bonkers. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably misremembering because it was, I remember right. I was listening to it in the Austin airport after South by. I but remember that exactly that moment. It's not a bad, I think it really speaks to what Ulrich's point is, is that like the idea of saying like indie versus Hollywood doesn't make sense so much because like, but it's like saying like LA is Hollywood and, and San Francisco is indie and like right. Liz, there are so many people just like you making movies exactly the way you're doing it here yeah. and in Austin and in San Francisco and all totally. over the world, right. you know, like everywhere. And, and so I think that you know talk about growth and learning i think that orin and i have become a little more understanding and sympathetic to the people who are living in different markets you know like i think there's a lot of people who listen to the show who maybe for whatever reason can't make it out to la or don't want to because they want to stay with their families in georgia or rents just way too high right yeah uh, the rumors are true. <laughs> right. um, and so I think that we've kind of come to terms with the realities of like that there are, there are plenty of opportunities ev- everywhere. There are just more opportunities here. And so it's not as quite a, as as hard aligned rules that maybe used to be of like move out here. But if you want to make Marvel movies, you have to move out here. Yeah. Right. And if you, and th- if you yeah. want movie making to be hard. Well, I think if you're going to, you know, be an actor, I think you kind of have to move to Los Angeles or New York, right? Like those seems to be the places where actors get their work. Um, But I don't know. I think there's a lot to be said for Los Angeles because there's so many resources and there's so many people in L.A. doing the thing that we're all doing. And, you know, everybody's there to help and learn from each other just the way that it is in, in the Bay Area, which is what I didn't. I thought that wasn't true. You know, I just yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. everyone was out to stab each other in the back and, you know, take the meeting from the other person or right. the connections or whatever. But that's just not the, that's not my experience in Los Angeles so far. It well, has that, that happened way. to Orin or Matt? Have you acknowledged that that I mean, has it not happened in L.A.? Ooh, the backstabbing? Yeah. Have we ever had our. Backstabbed. Yeah. Backstabbed. <laughs> yeah. Right. Have you ever have you ever had anyone like screw you over in some way for to you know so I, they could put themselves above you guys for a job or a situation or I would something? say, you know, anytime I, I can think of a circumstance where that sort of maybe has happened, that's not an individual. You know what I mean? That's like a person who you can't would blame screw you over. City. Yeah, you that that would they would do that in New York, they'd do that in Paris, they'd do that in London, and those are the only places they'd live because they're rich snobs you know but like for, for the most <laughs> okay. part los angeles is a is a city filled with people who moved here because they love movies they fell in love with the art that we all love and stayed here after they learned that like it's super hard and like you have to work for free for years and you know give up and sacrifice tons and tons of different social opportunities and creature comforts that people have elsewhere and they still stuck it out because they love making movies 
So like, of course those people are going to be generous. Of course they're going to be, you're going right. to feel kinship with them, you know? But a, a lot of those things are true no matter where you do filmmaking. If you're doing it, you know, you sure. always have to make sacrifices. You always have of to course. lose out on of things. Of course, you know? but we moved here because somebody told us that this is where all the work is. <laughs> right. And, and we decided to, you know, stick it out. And by the way, I've seen, I feel like more of the back, quote unquote, backstabbing, like at kind of the lower levels than mm-hmm. at ah. the higher levels. Like, uh, and this, I wouldn't even call this backstabbing. I would just call it being clever. But I had two friends when I first moved to LA and one of them told me that he got an interview with Todd, Phil- to be Todd Phillips' assistant. And uh, he was very excited. It was at this building right by my house, so my, my apartment. So maybe we'd grab lunch afterwards. And I mentioned it to my roommate. And so she was like, hey, I would like to be Todd Phillips' assistant too. <laughs> what building is it in? And she just like went there and was like, hey, I'm here for the interview <laughs> to be Todd Phillips' assistant. <laughs> I mean, that's straight up backstabbing. And they're that's like, a- you're not on the list. Um, she's like, yeah, I was. They called me. They told me to come to this building. It's Todd, right? It, and it doesn't she, need an did assistant. Did she get the job? Neither of them got the job. But oh, I guess okay. in theory, if she got the job, that, that would be a, a dick move. Yeah. yeah. You know, but big time. Th- kind of the biggest dick things I've seen are mostly unintentional and they'd be like kind of involved with like people hearing a bunch of pitches and then like maybe lifting an idea from one pitch uh, half the time, like not even realizing they're doing it or like being at an audition and seeing like an actor improvises a funny line and then they use it, but they cast someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I've yeah, seen that, people that's treat common. actors like not well, not, not really creative people, but more like business people like kind of treat actors like they're a dime a dozen. Um, yeah. And that is like always really bothered me, but I don't think that's an LA thing. I think people in outside of LA probably perpetuate that stereotype even more. And then yeah. of course I've seen like racism and sexism and stuff, especially yeah. in casting and hiring. But that's everywhere though. You know, yeah. I see yeah. that in casting and stuff in San Francisco jobs and shoots. And but the whatever. most dickhead moves I've ever seen are from like agents and managers. And, and I, I don't ah. think that that's an L.A. thing. I think it's like business people versus creative people. And you just notice it more in L.A. because you pretty much can't be an agent or a manager like anywhere. But, you know, like a few very big markets. Yeah. But I think like venture capitalists, I'm sure, act the same way or like tech bros. Right. You know. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. 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 Or Wall Street fuckheads or you know whatever <laughs> oil tycoons skin. yeah right. <laughs> oil tycoons yeah, yeah. ranch farm ranchers <laughs> liz have so, you have you ever uh been stabbed in the back or stabbed someone in the back here in los angeles and do you think it's because of hollywood's gruesome shadow casting <laughs> darkness on your soul i or? was thinking like i've definitely interacted with a lot of i was trying to think of the word i mean i guess it's poser or mm-hmm. it's um oh, yeah. like in in like indefinitely even brought them on board in formal ways to my projects without really even knowing what I was doing. Hold on, imdb.com slash. <laughs> but just like I had someone who, you know, who wanted to be a producer and so they would make promises about attaching talent to my project and he would just set up these meetings where the talent was very confused about everything. And you could tell huh. that this guy just kind of like fell into the luck of convincing this actor to meet with anyone. And he was just like leveraging all these relationships in order to get into the PGA. And it was just super, uh. and he was just super strange. But he also set up all those meetings. 
Yes, but they were like all if you if uh, you had sealed the meetings. if you had sealed the deal. Yes, you would be totally fine with it. Um. Yes, but these were actors who. I keep on, I reference this in the podcast with Ulrich, but it's like the, kind of like the Michael Madsen type actors. These oh, are like the low hanging yeah. fruit actors. And, and to clarify, when you say Michael Madsen type actors, that's code for they will do anything for X number of right. dollars, $10,000 right. a day or whatever it is. Like Eric right. Roberts, who's in every independent right. film that's right. in a film festival <laughs> ever. Did I tell right. you about him? No. No. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I, I don't know why this would be a secret, but he just auditioned for this commercial I shot. Oh, nice. He's well, like, I'll was, was he good? For a bit. Well, he was in what? Was it Batman Begins or The Dark yeah, Knight? He, it was one he, of those. he was really good in that. In yeah. the million things. Yeah. No, we were like, why are you auditioning for this small commercial? And his manager's like, you like the script? <laughs> he wants to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He's got alimony. Oh, that's funny. But uh, just to. F- to end up that point, um, I don't think that would have happened anywhere other than L.A. I think L.A. is full of a lot of people who are really drawn to the like the like luxury side of filmmaking. And they think that it still uh, exists. <laughs> I mean, I guess it exists for like the upper echelon. And so they want to become a producer. And so they do these kind of like leapfrogging, leveraging situations. And, uh, and I don't like that. And I felt like that was a Los Angeles thing that happened. Sure, yeah. fair enough. Like the yeah. glamour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Soho House sort of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I would still exactly. say those are the people that are more interested in the business side than the creative side. Yeah. You know, I, I, guess so. I just right. started There's working two. with this one producer who, uh, like, I'd sent him my deck and he, like, sent me some notes and then I, like, made the changes and made some other changes. And he had, it was like a 40 page deck. And, like, you know, a half hour after I sent it to him, he sent me. A note saying like hey why'd you change the language on this page i kind of liked it before and i was like so impressed that he reread <laughs> the entire deck like <laughs> it's so mm-hmm. rare that producers you know just put in that all that creative time and you know and into the details and uh and so i think that's like one of those things that that you're pointing out liz is like there's just a lot of posers they want to yeah. be filmmakers but they don't care about film yeah, yeah. I guess also, like, we grew up with posers. You know, like, if you can always we, you can always smell a poser. Like, and like sometimes it's tricky because they're offering you a thing that you need, and that can be seductive, or, or you know, right, or maybe you know, your spidey sense didn't tingle at that moment or something. But oh, I didn't know better. Right. I didn't know at anything. This was on bread and butter, and I like was just happy that anyone wanted to help me out whatsoever mm-hmm. and then now i know that like when you make a film you're actually tending to something that's quite valuable and i forget that because i'm just so indebted when i make a project to anyone who just wants to jump on board yeah that makes complete sense so i kind of feel like liz dodged the question when you're asked her about her film speed of life and that maybe <laughs> you should talk about that film a little bit <laughs> yeah and she didn't dodge it i totally interrupted with like oh uh, uh, okay some tangential topic uh well yeah we, we made a movie it's been released i don't know i don't know what to say other than like i'm in this moment right now where i'm very cranky and very confused because 
all I do, I'll t- I work, you know, at an impact distribution company and then I What is a- an impact distribution company, Liz? It's like they get filmmakers pay them to build discussion guides and to create culture policy, political emotional change in an audience by building a screening I'm, tour. I'm gonna pump the brakes. Yeah, yeah. So you like generate like cultural buzz based off of like kind based of. off of a, a a topic like a like a zeitgeisty so like sort of topic or give, give us the dumb version yeah. so i'm working on a film called the cave it's a nat geo film it's like one of the best films i've seen in years um nat geo is paying for us to give free screenings at colleges universities community centers you know whatever and then at those places that at those screenings we disseminate a discussion guide that's supposed to like inspire a really meaningful conversation between people in the room so it's like cause-based yeah it's cause-based but it could also and it's also like you know if a film is you know an environmental it's a conservation film then maybe there's a takeaway item that has to do with reusing it's like a reusable straw at the screening you know we'll partner with a fulfillment Mm -hmm. house and they'll provide these straws for audience members so that we could create actual environmental change. So it's just, it's being, it's actually just like creative marketing for cause-based films. And it's super interesting. But like, my point is that like at Sundance, all I did was say the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And then I jumped ship at Sundance. I'm now at this new job and I'm touring with this film and like no one's at my festival screenings and like like no one like there were 10 people total at a screening two screenings i went to recently are you talking about speed of life screening yeah so i'm just like in this world where i see a potential for f- revenue for filmmakers in this very specific space that no one i know is in the cause based documentary world and then i'm sitting promoting my film feeling like I don't know what the future is for sustainability for filmmakers. So I know you want me right, to, or yeah. I, the the goal is for me to say something really nice about speed of life. Cause I'm incredibly proud of it, but I think I'm in this cranky space where I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know how this <laughs> film's going to turn out. I don't know how as filmmakers we're going to have a sustainable careers in the micro budget space. And like, I don't want to make conservation documentaries for the rest of my life like that's not what I want to do um anyway sorry guys it is 9 p.m and it's two hours past my bedtime so I've clearly got off the deep end <laughs> well well but crazier you than just tell Warren us Kaplan and a making movies it's hard crossover <laughs> is this what hey, you for the rant record, about I, I really enjoyed that that conversation it just challenged me in a way that I needed at the time, you know, and that's what I was trying to say. All right. You guys had like a recap conversation. <laughs> we episode. did. We did. <laughs> we had a whole episode talking about our feelings about our episode. And here yeah. we are again, I, bringing I, it up, right? I, I, mean, I don't and, know if like I really enjoyed it is, is the <laughs> accurate sentiment. From you. Well, but now thinking back upon it, it's like, I think now where I'm at, where I am as a filmmaker is a completely different place. And I don't think I would be in that different place if I hadn't met you guys and I hadn't had that conversation, you know? So it was really uncomfortable at the time, but I feel like where I am now is such a better place because of that. 
better action. Our well, podcast kind of, therapy is that what I'm learning uh, from like oh, my oh, diet yeah. tribe? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Cathard casts. Um, <laughs> but but on that note of you feeling like you're a different you're a filmmaker at a different place in their career and kind of Liz you talking about not you know the indie space and documentary space and kind of not knowing what the future is you know especially like I think in terms of like like the viability of the business of like the indie film space I think this might be a good segue to talking about a voicemail that we got from a listener yeah named Alric Purcell Alric (laughs) oh man here we go uh, that that delves into, you know, the a little bit of the business side of the business. <laughs> um, so let's listen to that voicemail right now. Hey, Matt Norton, this is Ulrich. I am calling because I have an urgent question. Uh, not that urgent, or, or I just uh, wouldn't leave it on a voicemail. But um, you probably dealt with this question before, but I'm just wondering, is it better to have no manager or um, a not experienced manager, because I have uh, just got in contact with someone who wants to represent me. They have about 50 clients, but they're all kind of on the lower end of things, um, you know. But they all make stuff. They're all people who do different things: write, direct, shoot. You know, well, not shoot. I don't think. I think it's mostly writer, directors, producers, and actors. Um, and you know, they're in things, but I wouldn't say they're well known. And I just said, kind of look, I don't have a manager. I've never had a manager. So I'm kind of looking at this like, hey, why not have a manager? You know, maybe they'll help me. Maybe they won't. But at least it'll be a step in the right direction. Um, but is that bad? Is it, Or is it better just to go it alone like I have been doing and, um, you know, just do it that way? I mean, is there any big danger for having a manager? I mean, I don't really feel like it as long as I don't sign anything stupid. But uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? no manager or maybe not so good manager what's better all right thanks guys uh Ulrich Purcell as you know uh twitter handle at Ulrich B and sorry for the stumble on the beginning of the call (laughs) all right guys thanks for the great show as always uh talk to you later so Ulrich it sounds like you've got an offer from a manager right you were just saying before that this person's most famous client is Tuvok, right. Tuvok from Tuvok Star- from Star Trek Voyager, yeah. Is, who's, na- is, who's now a writer, director, and an actor, but he doesn't really want to act anymore. He's mostly writing and directing, or that's what his goals well, are. Well, so that's a different deal. If he like right. had a, a TV career and then pivoted, and then right. is he writing and directing things that we have heard of? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure his credits as a writer director are pretty meager. You know, like short films and you know small things or whatever. I, I might be wrong about that. I should double check right now just to be sure. But um, I'm pretty sure when I did my research, that was the deal. And then everybody else on her list was, uh, you know, like an unknown person who had done similar things to me, maybe a little bit more. But it didn't really seem like uh, they they weren't like people that we'd have heard of who are making movies that we you know, had heard of. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I think that that, that game is a complicated thing, right? Because right. how I did they find that... you? Did we hear that part? No. So I met this uh, manager on slated like four years ago and I've been pitching her the alternate, like, cause she's also a film investor and does some um, financial, she has like connections to some finances and some financial people. And so I've been trying to get her to be an investor on the alternate since like 2016. And um, then 
you know, like the last, I've been emailing her every year. We'll check in every year, but basically via email and I'll tell, give her the new deck and picture on the alternate and she'll say, Oh, let me get back to you. And then she never gets back to me. And then this year I did that. And she said, I'm only going to look at projects from clients that I manage. And then I was oh. like, well, like, you know, let me know. Yeah, that, if, That's uh, actually a little weird. Yeah. That's, is it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, a red yeah. flag. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Wait, you don't so think then, that's like a, like a, cute way a flirty way of saying i want to manage you i mean well, ma- maybe yeah, that's the that's the <laughs> manipulative way of saying i want to manage you yeah yeah right I well mean, then you know, say, you know so, <laughs> so that started the conversation and then uh we had a phone call she kind of called me out of the blue is and she we just based talked. in los angeles or is she, she up, she's up half time in greece and half time in los angeles uh-huh. um so i think that's a manager, another not an agent right this is a manager yeah, and uh, she has clients who are writers and clients who are directors and then some who do both. And uh, and then she also has actors on her roster too. And so part of what she, she was pitching me was like, you know, I'll, I'll bring people together. So I have lots of scripts that need to be directed. So if you're on my roster, then I can like try to package you with this other writer and then like maybe find some money from some of my financial connections and we can make this short film together. And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, that, that sort of thing. That's what managers do. I guess, uh, you know, if you like them and it seems like they're getting other people work, that's one thing. Right. Uh, I will say this. I just uh, parted ways with my manager, my oh, longtime really? manager. Aww. And it was pretty hard, honestly. Like, it was a really tough decision since something that I had been mulling over for a long time. But it boils down to just, like, if the that person is not – if they don't get what you do, right? If they don't, If they don't have the same vision that you do for your career and where you're headed and what you need to do to get there – like if they can't offer guidance because they don't really see what direction you should be heading in, that's a problem. And then also the other thing, Ulrich, that maybe this sounds more pertinent to, if they don't have a roster that represents the things that you want to do, that's a challenge as well. Like my right. my person was great, but like you didn't go to him to book people like me. You went to him to book people who like lived more in the digital space. And so uh, it was like, okay, well, if if I was like a, you know, gorgeous 17-year-old kid with a huge TikTok following, of course I'd go with him. But like if if I I want like TV shows and stuff, that person isn't going to do it for me basically. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I really need to do that I haven't done yet is I have to reach out to a bunch of her clients and interview them on her to see what they think of the experience, you know, because I think that'll open up my eyes to what I'm getting myself into and if it's worth it or not, you know. Well, can um, I, can I ask you what you feel like you would get out of it? I don't know. Like, I think it would be something where I could run, like, opportunities by my manager, you know, or hopefully I would, I guess the real hope would be that after the alternate is done being shot, that she'll have another project for me to work on, you know, and that maybe she can bring some scripts to me to potentially develop with, like, you know, some of her other clients, or maybe that she's got some money for a project that she has that she wants to hire me on to direct, you know. I think those are the reasons why I would do it, but maybe that's literally never really? heard of that happening for anyone <laughs> but like what's the downside right like um would she be taking 10 percent, and then also but not uh, of his independent his freelance work that he's doing 
as a day job not, right now. Not not as my video production, not of not any of my shooting so it doesn't or, take or any editing. Of, of Ulrich's livelihood. So like why not unless she's well, in, her clients say that she's crazy, you know. The like, the other reason try? is actually is that and I think some people disagree with me, but every every manager I've talked to has said that there's like a very strict no poaching policy. So uh. th- which is the reason that I ultimately decided to part ways is that like it's not cool for a manager maybe a bigger fancier manager to say hey matt i really love your work i'd love to sign you that's not allowed uh so mm. you so you think i'm like cutting myself off from a potentially mm-hmm. like yeah. more like a good manager if i yeah. sign with a, a not yeah. as connected manager basically. liz I, I feel like we just heard a story about how like you know, you told the story about how you met a producer who kind of just like wanted to take advantage of you, and that you. <laughs> I didn't learn my lesson. Is what your... I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I don't think it sounds like the way you're describing her is that she's kind of angling to produce stuff, and like for her, it's like the more people that are actually writing and creating things, and you know, working on things, the higher chance that she, you'll bring her a project like right like I, I think that's the misconception that i had for many 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 years that you know i ultimately learned is that the relationship with the manager is not the direction you think it goes you think that it's projects coming to the manager and then being funneled to you but it's really the manager has a bunch of clients and you bring them a project and they show it to people right uh, right so if your manager can like walk over to, you know, I don't know the, what's the ideal network for you? You've got a, a TV show pitch for FX, right? Like right. it's real weird and like a little funny and kind of offbeat. It's very Ulrich. If they can get you in the door there, great. Right. Um, but like, I bet your lawyer could, or right. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the thing. Yeah, like I, I realize also, she's probably not going to open huge doors for me necessarily. Yeah. It would more be like I have a manager. It elevates my status as a filmmaker because I have a manager, and then like you know I can run by things by her. And then when I'm ready for a better manager, I just go with a better manager. But you're saying that that's not the Alric, case. If you need somebody to shit on your ideas, we're always there for you, buddy. <laughs> right. um, I think you shouldn't not think of them at least at this point as like a creative partner, like someone that you will like send a script to and they'll like be like, Oh, this is great. I'm going to, you know, you should change this part. Like, you know, they, right. they well, do and, have, and they maybe, have a formula of how much time they're going to spend versus how much money they're going to make. And, and maybe, maybe it's true that you find that person, but like, do you get a sense that this person is going to be a, a great creative partner? No. Well then, no offense to her. there you go. <laughs> yeah, then there, there you go. Right. Yeah, it would be yeah. mainly me trying to utilize her resources for my, you know, furthering my career. Right. That and would you just be listed like off what... like you're skeptical of those resources, right? Right. True. But if that, if you do understand that, if you know that, like, hey, if you sign with her, and you say like, I want you to show the script to this actor or this producer or this company or get me a meeting with this person, if you know that that's kind of like all they are, they are used for and the other thing you can do with them is obviously like you send a deck or a script or something and you put them as the contact so it's not right it's them. but i mean i'm sure you've gotten emails we've got we get emails all the time people pitching guests they're like i'm his manager and he is amazing and you're like you are him you know (laughs) (laughs) right right so if you if you care about that uh, then i'd go with the liz you know answer which is like yeah why not you can always like 
leave them. I was just talking to a good buddy of mine who's feeling really frustrated about the same sort of situation, but has a manager and doesn't feel like they're pitching him at all. And there is a tricky thing of like unsolicited material. Like that's the thing that Ah. managers are bufflers for. Like if you're a manager and you send Ulrich's script, then there's not the same sort of legal liabilities and challenges there, right? Like you can't send your stuff to, you know, FX yourself because they'd throw it away. They legally will not even look at it. They can't look at it, right? Yeah. So, so that is the, the catch, but like, they're not going to look at it unless they know your manager anyway. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what well, Elaine, well, we just had Elaine Goldsmith Thomas on the podcast who produced right. Hustlers and all these other things. And she said, we asked her point blank, like, how can our listeners, if they have an idea for a movie, how can they get a, it to you? And she was like, honestly, it's like really difficult. Like, first of all, it has to come through like <laughs> right. a manager and agent, you know, because she doesn't want to do the vetting. Right? Yeah. And it that, has that's to, a great episode, by the way fantastic guys oh thanks just just great Liz you should listen to it I know you don't listen to things that you're not in but you should really listen to oh that. we you talk know, about so, you at the, yeah. the last 10 no, seconds stop it. All about stop you. It. yeah she brought it up it was, she was like I've seen this great movie <laughs> <laughs> you should check it out I'm in I'm listening yeah. tonight yeah 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 she saw she was like I was just me and nine other people at this festival <laughs> it was <Nice>. not <laughs> I gotta get the word out because uh, it was five per screening but yes she right. seems nice. Well, what what it sounds like is I, I think what I really want is like a like a hungry up and coming manager who doesn't have a ton of clients who really likes my work a lot and believes in me as an artist and wants to partner with me and whose tastes and opinion I trust. Right. right. That's like yeah. my perfect manager. So so but you could you, also you use like Jeff Allard or are you working with George Rush? Uh, yeah, yeah. George like, is my lawyer. Like yeah. those guys could probably do all the things that this person is offering you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I would say the way that you find the person that you're talking about is like more just through interpersonal relationships. Like my first agent, right. I knew for probably two years and like would just send him stuff and we talk. We were just buddies. And then when the time was right, Right, like what, like when the alternate is out and you need somebody to help you field other deals, you know, when it's getting into a lot of places and like you know you're, you're talking about it, then they'll be like, "Oh, hey, Alric, do you need any help with this?" You know, that that's when it happens, basically. So, right. like, I would hate for you to be shut off from good opportunities. And look, they may not come, right? Like, it may that might not be the situation, but then, you know, uh then you probably don't need that manager in the first place because Oren's point is right. Like, right. you know, uh, like, to sum it all up in three words, yeah. move to LA. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the, 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 the lesson the message I'm taking, the, you know, message I'm taking away from this is that I already have people in my life who can help me do the things that this manager could help me do already. So, you know, and then I don't even really need a manager right now because I'm not ready for one to be honest, like right. that's my honest opinion is that if I was ready for a manager that I would have one, you know, right. but I mean, maybe that's egotistical. No, or no, that's, or I think that, I think that's, I think that's the opposite. Actually. I think that's, Oh, totally is it? True. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. And, and yeah. I think you're saying you're not ready yet. You, you know are I mean? ready for, for one, but you probably shouldn't waste your time with the wrong one. Right. Okay. Cause I, cause in my mind, I thought like, Oh, what's, who cares? I'll have a manager. It'll be great. I'll just, if I need enough, need to move on to another manager, it'll be easy. But I guess it sounds like it's harder to, you know, do that than I thought maybe. 
Yeah, I, I some people disagree with me, but like I, you know, like I said, like the every manager that I've talked to has had a a very serious no poaching attitude. So yeah, yeah. Um, nice. Well, awesome guys. Yeah, it was great was to catch up. We did it absolutely, but this was fun, guys. Thanks yeah, so much thank for you. doing it yeah. again. And another you, crossover guys. success, you know. We did it. We did it. I hope you have an existential freak out because I'm about to. Oh, oh no! That I was had one on the podcast. So <laughs> wait, wait. Before we go, can we just one more time get the crowdfunding thing? And Liz, I don't think you ever told us how we, we can see Speed of Life. So yeah, so uh, you know, if you want to support an awesome indie sci-fi thriller, you can go to Seed and Spark dot com slash fun slash the alternate and you can see uh the crowdfunding video that we made that i took a lot of time uh to put together and a lot of effort as you'll see when you watch it to to make it you know i'm not an actor so uh you know just gonna throw that out there we also have a ton of update videos that we've released we just released our teaser trailer when we crossed 30 percent, so you can watch the full two minute teaser trailer to the uh to the film and yeah uh, we'd love your support uh, contributions are great, but just sharing on social media is awesome too. And if Oren can do it, who hates crowdfunding apparently, then anyone can Detest do it, right? It. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> you know, I want to say, I just toot my own horn a little bit here. You're the third person who hates crowdfunding and who has never supported a crowdfunding campaign who has supported my crowdfunding campaign. And you know why? It's because of the video. For my, I don't know about you, for my other two friends, they're like, you know, they didn't support my last ones. They would never support crowdfunding ever, but they were so impressed with the video and the effort. They're like, okay, you get my 25 bucks or <laughs> whatever it was. Well, I'm, you know. I have supported crowdfunding projects before. One was out of guilt because like literally everyone at the company I worked at had <laughs> contributed except for me. And wow. It was very obvious. And I think I did one just because I really thought it. But yeah, I believe in you. And I just like, Aww. I have you guys seen Project Greenlight? The yes. show? Yeah, a lo- long time ago. Yeah. Like watching the journey to me is just as fun as like seeing you know how it ends up. So I, I'm I'm on board. Ah, oh, thanks, man. Oh, so Liz and I believe us. I believe in the project too and everything. But I mean that's that's why I did it because I, oh. I I think it's fun to see what you're doing. Nice, sweet. The plan has worked. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Liz. Tell us about how we get to watch Speed of Life. So I am incredibly proud of the film, and uh, it will be released in January, January 10th, 2020, uh, by Giant Pictures. And if anyone wants to see it before then, we'll be doing a 30-day exclusive on a blockchain platform, actually, with Breaker uh, in December. Oh, wow. So, and also, we're doing a bunch of nice. one-night theatrical events, and if you want it in your town, I'll just send you a Vimeo link or you can let me know uh, the movie theater you go to and I'll talk to them. So just email me. And, we, and can we, we see the trailer? Liz at <laughs> LizManichelle at gmail.com. That's it. Um, no, the trailer won't be out until pre-sales go up. So trailer uh, is, I'm, uh, I'm not cutting more than one trailer. I'm a cheap lady. So we're saving that. I like that. the trailer you sent me. That was good. Thank you. I'm really proud of it. Guys, if, you, uh, if you're uh, either new to... Our podcast or Alaric and Liz's podcast, then you should check out Making Movies is Hard and just shoot it. Uh, yeah. Because just shoot it's my favorite podcast. You you took over script notes. I stopped listening to script notes and oh. only listened to you guys. And then just in the last like two months I started listening to script notes as well. But yeah, uh they're also yeah. great. They you need to lift the podcast, email me at just shoot <laughs> at gmail dot com. But if you want to learn about <laughs> directing, just shoot it. That's the place to be. So that's our conversation with Alric and Liz. I feel like I learned a lot. What about you, Warren? Yeah, 
Not really. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, of course. They're they're always so fun to talk to and they have, you know, really differing perspectives on everything, which I love, which is actually what some people told me they like about you and me. Oh, yeah, that's they're true. Like, I'm right and you're wrong. I get it. They, they said something like that. <laughs> good, good. You should introduce me to your friends more, Oren. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, cool well if you want to hear more about this episode and the show go to justshootitpodcast.com uh, you can find us on across all social media at justshootitpod I'm on Instagram at okaplin and I'm at mrmabemo this episode was edited by Sarah Weirda it was produced by Madeline Rosewatt and our webmaster is Ewan Williams and the outro music you're listening to right now was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar additional music was provided by Musicbed 